Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GameBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. No wonder GameBridge has earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Michelin tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Thanks for listening to the Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. I am Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage, and what a weekend. We have got so many different stories to run through. Some days you watch an NFL weekend or you watch a college football weekend. You think, ah, you know, this is basically everything that I could have anticipated. Not a lot of great stories to discuss. That is not today. That is not this Monday. I have got right now 17 different stories that I wrote down while watching college football and the NFL that I think on any other normal day could potentially be the lead topic on this show. So I'm going to run through all of my big stories in the NFL Uh, All of my big stories in college football. And we now have got a Monday schedule for how everything is going to be set up. Hour one, my reaction, your reactions, everything that happened in the NFL and college football over the weekend. Hour two, Joel Klatt, uh, the lead analyst from Fox College Football, will join us every Monday in hour two to break down the biggest stories of the weekend in college football. And then in hour three... Alex Marvez will join us to break down all of the biggest stories in the NFL. So that is Monday. You can like pencil that in. That is Monday throughout the entirety of the football season. 
So we got a bunch more weeks of that still to come. I think you guys are going to love that setup. But that kind of gives you an idea. If you're downloading the podcast and you're a huge NFL guy, but you don't care anything at all about college football, well, hour two is going to be college football discussion. If you're a huge college football guy and you don't care that much about the NFL, you got it. Vice versa for the NFL. All of that info now for you. You can use it as you see fit. But let's go ahead and run through what I think are the craziest stats. Let's start with this question. Through two weeks, is there any doubt that the best quarterback in the NFL has been Patrick Mahomes and that the second best quarterback in the NFL has been Ryan Fitzpatrick? And maybe you could flip-flop them if you really wanted to. But the best two quarterbacks in the entire NFL through two weeks have been Patrick Mahomes and Ryan Fitzpatrick. What odds could I have gotten on that before the season started? If I had come on the week before the NFL started, I said, guys, this is a time for our fearless predictions. If I had come on and said, Patrick Mahomes is going to set an all-time record for the most touchdown passes ever thrown by any player who has ever played football in the NFL in the first two weeks. And if my other breakdown had been, Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be unstoppable with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they are going to go on the road and beat the New Orleans Saints, and then the next week they're going to beat the defending Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles. Would any of you have believed it? Because it has happened and everybody out there is like well Patrick it's his first two games and he did it against the Chargers who are really damn good and against the Steelers on the road it's not as if he did it against the Browns and I don't know a team that's bad the Giants at least the Giants look pretty bad although their defense looks decent so that to me is a massive storyline out there how good Patrick Mahomes has looked. And here's the question about Ryan Fitzpatrick. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers this coming weekend play against the Steelers. The Steelers go on the road and play the Bucs. If Fitzpatrick plays anywhere near the same in week three as he has played in week one and in week two, is there any way possible that you can bench him? And I say that, did you guys see the uh, pictures and video of what Ryan Fitzpatrick was wearing after the game. He put on Deshaun Jackson's clothes and his necklaces, and he looked absolutely amazing. He looked just like Conor McGregor, honestly, with his beard. I think we have audio of Ryan Fitzpatrick. The video is even funnier because you can see a shirtless Deshaun Jackson looking at Fitzpatrick and wanting his clothes back, here is that audio of Fitzpatrick. And if you haven't seen the outfit that he has on and how amazing he looks, you need to go see it. But here's what it sounded like. Hey, DJ. I got like two more because DJ needs his stuff back. Yeah, I borrowed your stuff. Sorry, Deshaun. What, what, what is yours? Is any of that yours or is that? The chest hair is mine. <laughs> I mean, the guy has just stepped in and taken over the team. I mean, it makes me wonder, like, is Jameis Winston trade bait now? There's no way you can put Jameis Winston back in. The guy has dominated to such an extent that he shows up in the postgame press conference. 
in one of his top wide receivers' gear, his clothes, and just wins over the entire city of Tampa Bay, the entire state of Florida, the entire country? How do you not, at this point, be all in for Fitzmagic? I, I just love everything about this story. All right, the Jags, the state of Florida, Miami Dolphins, 2-0, and Jacksonville Jaguars, 2-0, and and Ryan Fitzpatrick, 2-0. and It's the revenge of quarterbacks nobody wanted. Ryan Tannehill, all offseason people are like, ah, I don't know. Dolphins fans have no optimism. They've been through this before. Who's going to replace Dan Marino? The answer is nobody. Some loser we're going to put out there. He's going to stink, and we're all going to be sitting around uh, on our uh, in our beautiful South Florida lifestyles asking the question, why, why, why can't we find somebody who's better than Dan Marino? It's all they talk about in Miami. Still has the guy showing up in the Dan Marino jersey. Dude, it's been 20 years. Maybe get over it a little bit. Tannehill's 2-0. Everybody in Jacksonville's like, you know, if we just had a quarterback we could win the Super Bowl. Even after taking his team to the AFC Championship, everybody's like, maybe the Jags should trade for Teddy Bridgewater. Maybe the Jags should make a move and try to go get Tyrod Taylor. I mean, that's how bad it was. Every quarterback that wasn't 100% committed to his team, Jags fans are saying, maybe we should go get him. And then Blake Bortles goes out and throws for nearly 400 yards against the Patriots and Bill Belichick. And he throws, I believe, four touchdown passes. It's the best game of Blake Bortles' career. And the Jags whip the New England Patriots. I'm going to tell you, I know the Patriots lose a lot of games in September. And everybody always asks the question, is the Patriots' dynasty over? I'm sure if you went back and listened to old uh, audio from this show after the start of the season last year when the Patriots started off 1-2, and I think it was, I bet a lot of you would have said, hey, you know what? Maybe the Patriots are done. And then what happens? They go to the Super Bowl, and they have a chance to win championship. Having said that, my prediction when this season started was that the Patriots weren't going to win their division and that they were going to go 8-8. Eight and eight. My fearless prediction, my wild prediction, which isn't even wild enough because Ryan Fitzpatrick's and Patrick Mahomes would have been an even crazier prediction. Watching that game against the Jags, and I'm thinking to myself, you know what? Maybe I'm going to be right. Dolphins lead the AFC East. Doesn't seem to me like the Jets are awful. Bills are awful, I'm sorry. Uh, all right, uh, the Steelers. 0-1-1. Oh, one one. Kind of a ridiculous schedule. The exact same schedule, uh, as the exact same record as the Browns. And the Steelers are going on the road against Fitzmagic this weekend. And they have no defense. Patrick Mahomes just ate him alive. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to eat the Steelers alive too, and I think the Steelers are going to fall to 0-2-1. Is it time to panic in Pittsburgh? The Raiders. The Raiders are bad, and they gave up a huge lead on the road against Denver. This is ugly early in the season. Now, I will say positive sign there. Derek Carr played infinitely better. He looked like things could be in better shape than anybody could have hoped. With his stat line, the fact that they lost is pretty crazy. I was at this game. The Tennessee Titans were without two of their starting tackles and their top backup to play against J.J. Watt 
and Whitney Merciless. Jadavion Clowney was out of the game. I think if I were predicting which head coach is going to get fired first, the Texans are insanely wobbly right now. The Titans coaching staff with Blaine Gabbert at quarterback coached circles around Bill O'Brien and the Houston Texans. The Texans had no business losing this game. Marcus Mariota is out. Blaine Gabbert is in. The Titans are running the Wildcat with Derrick Henry at quarterback. The first two players to pass the football for the Tennessee Titans are Derrick Henry and uh, in a, in a, in a pe- fake punt situation, uh, uh, whatever his name is, whose name is immediately escaping me. Made a lot of interceptions last year. I feel like Deion Sanders, Kevin Byard. Kevin Byard throws a perfect strike. He's now got a perfect quarterback rating. He looked like Ryan Fitzpatrick and Patrick Mahomes back there. They schemed up a touchdown on the first drive based on the front that they got against the Houston Texans. The Titans had no business winning this game. Get his first win ever. Mike Vrabel out-coached and out-schemed his old team, the Houston Texans. If I am a Texans fan, I'm looking around saying, wait a minute. What's going on here? And how about Deshaun Watson running off the final 17 seconds of this game to complete a pass in the middle of the field and have the clock run out? I've never seen anything like that before. I've never seen in a tie game situation or a field goal situation or we need a score situation, a quarterback takes 17 seconds on one play. That play was never ending. It would have taken like 22 or 23. I don't know how much time the Texans would have needed in order to get that play off. They might have needed 25 seconds in order to have that play be able to complete it in the middle of the field, run up, and spike the football. The Vikings and the Packers get a tie. Aaron Rodgers plays. How bad was field goal kicking across the league? 77.6% lowest field goal make rate in two years. The Cowboys, the boys defend their honor, show up, and beat the Giants. Giants now looking awfully bad. All that money to Odell Beckham Jr. The draft pick of Saquon Barkley. And the Giants can't make it happen. The Cowboys 1-1. One one, the Giants 0-2. The Colts. The return of Andrew Luck. They go on the road and get a win against the Washington Redskins. I may have even missed a couple of storylines. That is everything that happened in the NFL. And I feel like I could break all of this down for the rest of the show and not even need to get to college football. The NFL is starting to get its mojo back. How crazy is the NFL becoming? We even got an NBA-like storyline out of the NFL this week. What was it? Vontae Davis quit at halftime for the Buffalo Bills. At halftime, he retired. That's unbelievable. He didn't go back out for the second half. Even Bobby Petrino's like, dude, what are you doing here? Have some respect for the season in the NFL. Imagine being like, hey, I'm out of here, piecing out at halftime of a game. I know and understand how much physical physical uh, toll it takes to play football at a high level. But you quit at halftime on your team two games into the season? The two games into the season part is at least somewhat defensible. There are lots of guys out there who think, you know what? I just don't have the energy or the ability anymore to play at a high level. But to quit at halftime, and it's not like it was a close game either. It's not like the guy pulled himself out and he's like, hey, this gives our team a better chance to win. 
on some level, do you even respect that? He could have been like, hey, I tweaked the groin. Hey, man, I, I got a hurt hamstring. I can't go. And nobody would have known. And then you go ahead and retire off the injury. And it's not like you have to show up and get looked at or pass a final physical or anything else. You're retiring. Your career's over. What an unbelievable story. Absolutely unbelievable story. Vontae Davis quits at halftime. All right. When we come back, I'm going to go through all of the big stories of college football. Then we will take your calls and your reactions. Let me go ahead and give you the phone number. 877-996-6369 is the phone number. When we come back, all of the biggest stories in college football. And uh, again, Joel Clad Hour 2. Alex Marvez in hour three. I hope you're like me and you love college football and you love the NFL. We have got so many storylines to hit that that is what we are going to do. We will break down everything in that fashion. I also know that many of you right there, I'm telling you, you use TrueCar because you need to find the car that you want. With True Price from TrueCar, you can avoid the confusion you encounter online by getting a great price you can count on before you ever visit a dealership. The True Price includes all dealer fees and accessories. True Car will show you what other people in your area paid for the car you want. Now you know what a fair price is so you can feel confident and your certified dealers know this so they set their True Price competitively so they can win your business. Over 3 million cars have been sold to True Car users by the True Car Certified Dealer Network. There are over 15,000 True Car Certified Dealers nationwide. True Car users save an average of over three grand off MSRP. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. I just can't stop laughing about the Vontae Davis thing. Can you imagine if halfway through today's show... I just decided, you know what? I'm going to retire. And everybody in this LA studio is like, you can't just finish the rest of the show? Like, you're still giving no notice. You're throwing everybody under the bus. But you can't just decide, hey, you know what? I'll show up and I'll finish the rest of the show. No, I'm retiring forever right now. I just don't have it anymore during a commercial break. If I just pieced out, it would be unbelievable. Has anybody ever done that in radio? Halfway through the day, you know what? I'm out. Uh, uh, okay, college football reaction plus your calls next. I'm Clay Travis. I'll kick the coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with MyBookie.net. MyBookie.net is the industry-leading sports action website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score. MyBookie.net lets you play online and win big. Use promo code CLAY when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus. Did the game already kick? off don't sweat it mybookie.net has in-game live action on every major league event even esports there's no better time to join mybookie.net go to mybookie.net to open an account and start winning use promo code clay when you register for your account and get a hundred percent sign up bonus visit mybookie.net's website today and use promo code clay to get a hundred percent sign up bonus mybookie.net promo code clay for a hundred percent bonus no deposit necessary terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only void were prohibited. Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. It's a great song to bring us back. Wake us up. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want. 
so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Also, we're brought to you by Granger for safety and industrial supplies. Granger's got our back. Visit Granger.com. I got to tell you guys, what an unbelievable week of football. Has football finally got its mojo back? I I was out. Well, I'll talk about this later. I'll talk about the uh, the vibe at the NFL. I was at the uh, the Titans Texans game. But let's go to college football. Let's go to college football. Tua Tagovailoa for Alabama. I just can't stop talking about this guy because watching him play quarterback is one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in a Nick Saban coach team. Nick Saban. I've been referring to Tua Tagovailoa as a cheat code because Nick Saban has always won championships with mediocre to average to pretty good quarterback play. A.J. McCarron is the best quarterback that Nick Saban has had during his tenure at Alabama. Tua Tagovailoa is dunking on A.J. McCarron, hanging on the rim, and grabbing his groin while he points at A.J. McCarron. That's how much difference there is between the two at quarterback. And this stat is going to blow your mind because I don't even know how it's possible. I'm going to hit Joel Klatt with this stat too. But I want all of you out there to just, your jaws to drop as you're driving into work, as you're starting off your day. This is from Alabama football's official Twitter feed. This year on third down, Tua Tagovailoa is 12 for 12 passing for 298 yards and six touchdowns. How unbelievable is that stat? I want to hit you with it again. On third down this year with him in the game, Tua is 12 for 12 passing for 298 yards and six touchdowns. When it has even reached third down for Alabama, Tua Tagovailoa has thrown 12 completions. Six of them have gone for touchdowns. It's one of the most unbelievable stats I've ever seen. Everybody is playing for second in college football if Tua Tagovailoa stays healthy. Nobody's going to be close to Alabama. In the last two games against Ole Miss, Nick Saban lost two in a row to Ole Miss. Since that time, he has outscored Ole Miss 128-10. to We're talking about a different level of dominance. Ohio State gets the win. Ryan Day goes 3-0 and as interim head coach. And Urban Meyer is now back. I think we're probably going to spend a lot of time talking about Urban Meyer and that interview that he did with Tom Rinaldi, but not today because there's too many other games to get to. So put a pin in that. We will discuss the Tom Rinaldi ESPN interview with Urban Meyer later in the week, uh, probably Tuesday. But there's so many other games to get to. Ohio State finds a way to get the win at TCU. Oklahoma State beats Boise State, eliminating Boise State from the college football playoff picture. Oklahoma State has been very impressive through three games. The Big Ten collapses. The Big Ten has probably the worst day that they have ever had in their history as a conference. And I want to read all of these bad things that happened to the Big Ten. It was a terrible, awful, very bad week for the Big Ten conference. Seven non-conference losses. I'm going to put a bow on this. I want you to listen to all of them. If you're a Big Ten fan, turn away from the radio. Turn away, it's awful. You can't even look at the radio while you're listening to me. Kansas? Kansas! 
beat Rutgers by 41. Now, I'm not an alarmist, but Rutgers should have to stop playing football forever after losing to Kansas by 41 points. Kansas. Kansas beats you by 41 points. A couple of weeks ago, Kansas lost to Nichols State, and one of the professors at Kansas wrote an essay about why Kansas should no longer have a football team. And then they just beat Rutgers by 41 points. In the future, I think people are going to look back at the decision to add Rutgers to the Big Ten Conference as one of the worst decisions in the history of college football. Because the reason why they did it was for television and cable package reasons. The idea that you're going to get New York and New Jersey and all of the New York City metropolitan area. But the cable cord is fraying and the entire legitimacy of the cable universe is under siege right now. And I think what's going to matter more than ever before is quality. How good are you? Nebraska, even though they have started 0-2, is a great brand that fits the Big Ten Conference for years to come. Generations from now, Nebraska football is still going to be good. Maybe just mediocre, but the brand is always going to matter because people in Nebraska love Nebraska football because the nation hears Nebraska football and it makes you think of something. When the nation hears Rutgers football, they think, Rutgers plays football? That ain't the conference. That ain't the connection that you want if you're the Big Ten Conference. So Kansas beat Rutgers by 41. Northwestern lost at home to Akron, which notched its first win over a Big Ten team since they started playing football at Akron in 1894. Think about that for a minute. 1894. Akron has been playing against the Big Ten since that long ago, and Northwestern just lost to them for the first time any Big Ten school has done it. Nebraska, I just mentioned it, they lost at home to Troy. Somebody needs to sign Neil Brown. Somebody needs to get that dude signed in the offseason. He's the number one coaching candidate in America now. Last year, he went on the road and beat LSU. This year, he goes on the road and beats Nebraska. Wisconsin lost at home to BYU, and I think that is going to be the number one takeaway of everything in college football this weekend. Wisconsin effectively, I think, cancels themselves out probably of the college football playoff. We'll talk about this with Joel Klatt in an hour or two, see what he believes. It's going to be hard for Wisconsin to get into the playoff, even if they were to run the table from here, but we'll see bad loss for Wisconsin. It's the worst loss on this list because they had the most expectations. Maryland lost at home to Temple. No idea what happened in this game. Temple was 0-2. Maryland was 2-0. Maryland had been dominant. Temple had been awful. And somehow Maryland gets whipped at home. Purdue lost at home to Missouri. I watched that entire game because it was the capstone on my parlay. And I lost 20 grand. Didn't really lose it. I had a bunch of parlays out there. I had 20 grand if Mizzou could have covered. Now, the positive is I only had like $400 total down. I had a bunch of parlays. I had a great gambling day. And I had three different parlays that came down to whether Mizzou could cover minus six. And if they had, I would have won 20 grand. Instead, I lost 400 bucks. I know they always say don't play parlays. I love to bet parlays. Uh, and I had an incredible run going. All I needed was Mizzou to cover. 
and uh, I would have uh, I would have won. But now I won money. I went ahead and hedged. I won several thousand dollars uh, on on those bets because I when it came down to Mizzou, I'm like, oh, I got to hedge this. Uh, but still, Mizzou was up 27-10 on uh, on Purdue, and they gave up the most passing yards in the history of the Big Ten Conference. I think Purdue threw for 4,000 yards in this game. I think I'm not even kidding, hardly. If you watch this game. Both teams were unstoppable on offense. It was an unbelievable track meet of a game. Mizzou won 40-37. Game ends, is, by the way, with Mizzou at a first and goal at the two, and Mizzou takes knees to kick the field goal. Totally the right play from a win-the-game perspective. Brutal if you've got 20 grand on Mizzou scoring a touchdown there. I don't know why Purdue didn't let them score automatically because otherwise you're letting a chip-shot field goal come up and you could, they could, Mizzou couldn't stop Purdue. With a minute left, Jeff Brom should have been like, okay, just let him run in. Let's get the ball back. We'll come back down. We'll try to tie. Because as it was, Mizzou did the smart thing. They took a knee and lined up a 15, 22-yard field goal, whatever the heck it was, from right in front of uh, uh, less than an extra point, basically. Uh, okay, so uh, that happened. And Illinois lost at home to South Florida. Seven different Big Ten teams lost out-of-conference games. The end result, after all of the talk about how good the Big Ten was, we're down to just two teams that really, I think, have a chance to advance and play in the college football playoff. Maybe you can say Michigan on the outside. Maybe you can say Wisconsin. I know there's still undefeated teams, Iowa, Minnesota, Indiana, dancing around out there. Those teams are not making the college football playoff. I think it's going to be Ohio State, Penn State that we're really down to. I understand Michigan's out there. I understand all of that. But Ohio State and Penn State, Penn State play in week five. And I think that will probably be the decision maker for who wins the Big Ten East. So whoever wins that game, I believe, will win the Big Ten East and probably have a very good chance to win the Big Ten. That's in a couple of weeks. Big Ten, awful weekend. And LSU. People say, Clay Travis, you never admit when you're wrong. I will disagree with you completely there. I usually try to come forward to you and say, you know what, when my opinion was wrong on something, I'm going to come out, I'm going to tell you, you know what, I just got that one wrong. I've been totally wrong on LSU and Coach O. Watching this game, Joe Barrow made some incredible throws, particularly with about eight minutes left when he threaded a needle and hit LSU's receiver in stride for a 70-plus yard touchdown when it appeared that Auburn basically had control of that game. It was 21-13 with eight minutes to play, and Auburn's defense had really pretty much stifled LSU's offense. And boom, that 70-plus yard play. Then Auburn's up 21-19 to after the two-point conversion doesn't work. And they absolutely deck Joe Barrow on third down. I mean, one of the biggest hits you've ever seen a quarterback take. Barrow gets right back up on fourth down and throws a strike to set up the game-winning field goal. I've been wrong. I thought my fearless prediction coming into the season for LSU was that they were going to go 6-6. and I've got LSU as the number three overall team in all of college football right now. They have two top 25 wins on road neutral sites. The Big Ten, Pac-12, the Big 12, and the ACC 
combined, I believe I'm correct in this, has one road neutral top 25 win, and LSU has two. That's how improbable the start for LSU has been with the wins over Miami and the wins over uh, and the win over Auburn on the road. All right, I'm going to bring in uh, Eddie Garcia. Get the update. We come back on the flip side here. I'm going to give you my top ten. I'm opening up the phone lines eight seven seven nine nine six six three six nine. Your reactions. But first, Eddie Garcia, what you got for me? Well, here's your scoreboard. Week two of the NFL brought to you by Geico. Sunday night, it was the Cowboys beating the Giants 20-13. to New York now 0-2 on the year. In late action on Sunday, Jaguars beat the Patriots 31-20 in a rematch of last year's AFC title game. Jaguars are 2-0, led by quarterback Blake Bortles, who had four touchdown passes in that win over New England. Broncos get a last-second field goal to edge the Raiders, 20-19. Denver's 2-0. Raiders are now 0-2. Rams are also 2-0. Todd Gurley, three touchdown runs for L.A. as they beat the Cardinals 34-0. Arizona 0-2. 49ers beat the Lions 30-27. Detroit off to an 0-2 start. In the early action, the Chiefs get six touchdown passes from quarterback Patrick Mahomes as they improve to 2-0 on the year. That's six touchdown passes. Ties a franchise record for the Chiefs. They beat the Steelers on the road 42-37. Packers invite Vikings played with 29-29 tie second straight week. We've had a tie in the NFL. Buccaneers are 2-0. They beat the Eagles 27-21. Ryan Fitzpatrick for the second straight week over 40 yards passing and four touchdowns. Falcons beat the Panthers 31-24. Matt Ryan for Atlanta. Four touchdowns, two passing, two rushing in the win. Saints had to rally at home with 18 fourth quarter points to beat the Browns 21-18. Cleveland still hasn't won a game since December of 2016. Dolphins are 2-0. They beat the Jets in New York 20-12. Titans over the Texans 20-17 with Without starting quarterback Marcus Mariota, who didn't play due to injury, Houston is 0-2 on the year. Chargers beat the Bills 31-20. Phillip Rivers, three touchdown passes for L.A. as Buffalo is now 0-2 on the year. And the Colts beat the Redskins 21-9. The support brought to you by True Car. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Back to Clay Travis and the Geico Outkick the Coverage Studios. You know what? I'll do the top 10 when we come back, but we're still coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. The Outkick College Football Top 10 plus your calls to finish out Hour 1, 877-996-6369. Unlike Vontae Davis, I promise I'm not going to quit halfway through the show today. This is Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. We've all had a bad day on the golf course. It's not easy to find a fix for your game, but there is a way to find a fix for your check engine light at AutoZone. The free AutoZone Fix Finder tool will find the likely issues, saving you money down the road. Get in the zone, AutoZone. All right, let's go with the music, boys. Let me give you my uh, Outkick Top 10 for college football after week three uh, in the uh, in the college football universe. We're 25% through the regular season in college football, which means uh, the top 10 starting to take shape. I'll go in reverse order here. Number 10 overall. Notre Dame was very fortunate to get the win over Vanderbilt. Kyle Shermer, beautiful pass, fourth down. Kalijah Lipscomb, if you were watching that game on NBC, could have easily held the ball couldn't dropped it uh, the couldn't survive the ground as we say ball pops away Vanderbilt loses 22-17 I'm not sure how good Notre Dame is 
but I've still got them with a win over Michigan. Uh, I think Vanderbilt's pretty decent. I don't think they're a bad football team. I've got Notre Dame at number 10 overall. I've got Oklahoma State, who has put up a lot of points so far, as they typically do in Mike Gundy's offense. I've got Oklahoma State at number 9 overall with a nice win over Boise State. The Stanford Cardinal at number 8 overall, 3-0. David Shaw's team goes on the road at Oregon in what is probably the best game uh, with, with national implications on the schedule this coming weekend in college football. Stanford on the road at Oregon, nearly a straight pick in that game. The Washington Huskies, I know they have a loss. It was against Auburn. It was a tight, hard-fought game. I'm not going to punish them too much. I've got Washington number seven overall. Auburn. Auburn lost a brutal game. Last second field goal by LSU. Auburn Tigers, I still have at number six overall. They've played two really good teams in their first three. They played against LSU, and they played against Washington. They split those games, both really close, hard-fought games. Number five overall, I've got the Oklahoma Sooners. 37-27 win over Iowa State, but nowhere near as dominant as they were in the first two weeks against FAU and UCLA. Number four overall, Ohio State gets the win over TCU. They now have three FBS wins from three different conferences if you want to count Oregon State and Rutgers as FBS teams. Uh, Number three overall, I said it earlier, LSU has more road neutral top 25 wins than the ACC, the Big 12, the Pac-12, and the uh, Big 10 combined. LSU 2 top 10 wins to start the season against Miami and Auburn both road neutral the Tigers I have number three overall Georgia just keeps rolling they have uh, the number two spot in my rankings and number one overall with a bullet ain't nobody gonna touch them Alabama is number one overall okay I believe uh, I again this Vontae Davis story we're talking about all the big stories in the NFL and college football if you're just starting off your morning with us happy Monday incredible weekend of NFL and college football action. I've already admitted that I was wrong. Told everybody that I believed LSU was going to go 6 and 6 that Joe that Coach O was going to get fired potentially. Instead, LSU is 3 and 0 with two top 10 wins, road neutral games. They are playing flat out phenomenally. Unbelievable performance. I was wrong with my prediction. I've already said it. Now, the craziest thing that may well have happened over the weekend Vontae Davis at halftime decides not to go back out for the second half of the Buffalo Bills game. Amazing story. Unbelievable story. I've never heard about anything like it. Uh, And I believe we have a teammate reaction to Vontae Davis deciding to retire at halftime and not go back out for the second half against the Chargers. You've seen anything like that in your NFL career? Never have seen it ever. Pop Warner, high school, college, pros, never heard of it, never seen it. And it's just completely disrespectful when to did, uh, his teammates. Did he say anything to you? Did, did, did he say, say anybody to anything? He didn't say nothing to nobody. He just, left? When did yeah. He you out? know as much as I know. I know I found out going in the second half of the game. Uh, coming out, said he said he's not coming out. He retired. Hmm. So. What? Yep. That's it. So. Who said uh, that? Who said what? Who said he Sean said that? on the sideline. Yeah, side so. I mean, guys heard about it and said that he wasn't coming back out. This is amazing. 
I mean, I can't even imagine deciding to retire halfway through a radio show, much less just not going back out halfway. Phillip Rivers just picking apart the defense, and Vontae Davis like, you know what? It's time for me to hang up the, 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 the cleats. I mean, that is an unbelievable move to retire halfway through a football game. Uh, that was, who was that, Danny G, who we were just hearing from? That was Bill's linebacker, Lorenzo Alexander. Bill's linebacker, Lorenzo Alexander. Unbelievable story. All right. We have run through so many different stories. All right. Uh, I'm not going to take your calls. I apologize. I ran out of time here talking about all the NFL and all the college football news. My apologies. We'll get to some of your calls in hour three of the show, maybe at the end of hour two, because we got Joel Clad who's going to come back with us here on the flip side and break down all the biggest stories in college football. Joel Clad, of course, the lead analyst, but I'll give Danny G an opportunity here. Marquette King teeing off on your boy, John Gruden. Are the Raiders done at 0-2? Are they done? No. I, that was a hard-fought game. You know, you can't make any excuses when you lose in the final seconds like that. The defense did look better for the Raiders. Obviously, in week one, they were playing one of the best, if not the best teams in the league And the Rams. Ask the Cardinals. They didn't score any points against the Rams yesterday. John Gruden, he called a pretty good game. You watched some of that game, right, Clay? Yeah, I watched a lot of football. Um, Same here. Uh, over the weekend. I mean, I went to the Titans. Oh, and, and I want to talk about that. I'll talk about that in hour three or maybe at the end of hour your two experience. after Joel. Yeah, because yeah. you you actually thought your Titans were going to lose. Well, I had the under, and I felt very confident there weren't going to be very many scores. The Titans had no business beating the Texans. If I am a Texans fan and I'm sitting around and I watch that game, Titans are without their top three tackles. They promoted a guy from the practice squad to start at right tackle. Um, in an NFL game. That's almost unheard of to end up in that situation. You don't have Marcus Mariota. You're starting Blaine Gabbert. Um, and you are going up against a Houston Texans team that is 0-1 in a division game and desperately needs to avoid going to 0-2 because teams that go 0-2 only have about a 10% chance of making the playoff. So the difference between 0-2 and 1-1 is seismic. Plus, you're the Titans. You're going on the road against the Jags the next week. So you're in about as difficult of a situation as you could be. It's the first time I've seen a team completely outcoach another team in the NFL in, in a long time, especially on the Titans side. Vrabel outcoached his old team. I mean, if I am yeah. a Texans fan, I am absolutely furious about the way that game played out. The trick play was pretty insane. And obviously on Twitter, everybody was thinking about you there in the stands as that happened. Because I think you mentioned it like once on TV Friday that you were going to be there at the game. As far as Oakland, a good sign, and you called this last week, Derek Carr got the ball to Amari Cooper. Hallelujah. Yeah, and he also looked a lot better. And, I mean, that's the, the, the positive side if you believe you have a, quarterback, uh, a coach who can get your quarterback back, and I think that John Gruden is that. All right, hour one is in the book. So much to react to. Hour two, we're going to go with Joel Klatt. He's going to join us coming out of the break, uh, coming back in hour two. And then Alex Marvez in hour three. All of the discussion surrounding the games. Appreciate all of you. My name is Clay Travis. This is Outkick, the coverage. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. 
Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios here, and it is a Monday edition, hour number two, which means we go to talk to my guy, Joel Klatt, to break down everything that happened in the world of college football. Reminder that 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Uh, and let's bring in Joel at Joel Klatt on Twitter. He called the USC Texas game down in Austin uh, Monday morning now as you reflect back upon what you saw there. Let's start there. Two big signature programs looking for a massive win. Texas takes control of the game. What kind of jumped out at you from the game you called? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, I thought Saturday night was a great environment for Texas. And I think that they have been pretty desperate for that for a long time. They've been kind of chasing the the ghost of Vince Young for a while, or the ghost of Colt McCoy even for a while. And I think it was important for their fan base to understand that this was, this is not an indication that they're back. This is not an indication that they're going to be competitive in the big 12, but it was an important step for them to get on the marquee stage with another prime brand and actually dominate the game. So uh, from that standpoint, all of those things were positive for Texas. Now, my biggest takeaway from the game the Big 12 officials totally screwed USC. There's no other way around it. I'm not saying that they would have won the game, Clay, because they probably wouldn't have with the way that they played in the second half and kind of wilted under the pressure. But I will tell you this. When you're at 14-13 and you pause a safety, that was 100% of safety. There's no way if you're a trained replay, replay official that you can say that there was no uh, decisive look. I mean, we showed – four decisive looks on our, on our broadcast alone. Um, and, and they did not give the safety. It's, it's 16-13, and Texas is having to basically give you possession where you're going to get good field possession. At that point, remember, USC had not really been stopped all that much in that first half. Maybe a drive here or there, and they had just been stopped on the fourth down inside the five. But every indication was is that if they were going to get the ball back, they were going to at least get back into scoring position. So let's just say – for the sake of argument, that they just kick a field goal on the next drive. Well, that's 19-13, and it's a totally different game. It's probably 19-13 at half. Texas has none of the momentum that they take into the halftime. So that call was a massive call. You can't tell me that it didn't have some impact on the outcome of that game because I think it certainly did. And the Big 12 should be tail between their legs because it was Big 12 on the field with the officials and it was Big 12 in the replay booth. And just like when they failed in the Central Michigan game with Oklahoma State, they failed on Saturday night. Why does that happen? and, And I'm not an expert, but for a long time, you and I would sit in L.A. and watch games and we would have Mike Pereira, and Mike Pereira would never miss a call, right? I mean, he's there on the Fox lot. He comes in. He looks at it. He says, okay, here's what the call should be. And he's virtually flawless in both NFL and college. How does it happen the Big 12 can't get it right? I, it's a great question. I have no idea. I will tell you that I have been to officials' conferences before. I've been to replay conferences before. And you would be shocked at the amount of disagreement that happens on some pretty easy looks. You know, Clay, it's the same plays that you and I would watch. It's the same plays that Mike Pereira would sit, stand up there and watch, and they would show a, a, a play, and they'd say, okay, how many of you would allow this to stand? And a few hands go up. How many of you would overturn this? A few hands go up. How many of you would confirm it? A few hands go up. And it's like, 
are are you kidding me? So I, I can't answer that. I really can't. I, I, I would point to the fact that we do not have a national body of officials, that each league trains their own officials. Each league is kind of responsible for their own officials, and I think that that's a terrible way to go about it. And it's one of my it's one of my arguments of many of why I feel like we need an overarching governing body for the sport of college football, in particular these five power conferences, is because left to their own accord, they're like you know the thirteen states, you know, air quotations before the uh, the, the Constitution. They can yeah. kind of do whatever they want, you know, and and. And, and this is the product of that, Clay, is the fact that you have some leagues that train their officials so much better than others. We're talking to Joel Klatt. I'm going to get you fired up already on the USC Texas. I want to go into polls, and I know polls drive you crazy sometimes, but here's what I have to say. <laughs> Alabama, Did you see all of that on, on uh, oh, Friday? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I loved it. Uh, Alabama is unquestionably, for anyone with a functional brain, the best team yeah. in college football, right? Yeah, there's, uh, no doubt, there's no doubt in my mind. Anybody, anybody that that puts someone else at number one in their poll, I, I feel like that vote should be removed from you. There's no possible theory. There's nothing you can say that that does not point to Alabama being number one. I don't understand how they're not unanimous. The fact that Clemson is still getting votes with yes. some of the games that they've played is just beyond me. I mean, it's the it's the definition of confirmation bias, Clay. Well, this is crazy, I think, too. I mean, the coaches as well, and the coaches even having a poll is ridiculous. But the reason yeah, why I'm bringing I this that, up I mean, is – Who cares about them? But there are two coaches voting Clemson number one, and there's also somebody still voting Ohio State number one among the coaches, and there's three people voting Clemson number one. So when you look at this Alabama team, I, Joel, I watched, and I don't know how much you got to watch. Obviously, you can go back and watch the, you know, the tape and, and the game after your game. But I watched them, and it, it was like they were a pro team playing against not even a high school team, like the high school JV against Ole Miss, right? I don't see any way possible that that somebody is going to beat Alabama if Tua Tagovailoa stays healthy. I mean, this might be one of the best college football. I mean, this is USC caliber, I think, talent that Alabama has right now. They went out and won 62-7. to they could, I'm not even kidding about this. I think if they needed to, they could have scored 100 points against Ole Miss, right? What is it going to take to beat Alabama? If I told you right now, Joel, you have to take Alabama or every other team in college football to win the national championship, would you take Alabama or every other team? I would, I would take Alabama. I think Alabama is right now 2,000 Tiger Woods. Yeah. You know, like you can't you can't not say them again. That's why I think all these yahoos that that vote for somebody else they're just doing it just to be contrarians. Quite quite frankly, um, so specifically on on Bama, and I have gotten to go back and watch some of the Ole Miss game, uh, Clay. I did that yesterday on Sunday, and then I have gotten a chance to go back and watch uh, some of their first two games. And and you know what it looks like to me? It it looks like to me they have. Last year's Rose Bowl, except for the best parts of Georgia and the best parts of Oklahoma mixed into one team. And I'm like, this is what Oklahoma would be if they could play a shred of defense. This is what Georgia would have been if they had Baker Mayfield at quarterback. You know, like, that's what it looked like to me. Like, they're going to stop you, and they line up, and on every snap, it's like, are they going to score a touchdown on this snap? 
that's that's what it feels like right now. And I think it's overwhelming for other teams, in particular teams that know that they're overmatched physically. So to answer your next question is like, who in the world would you even say has a chance? One, they have to be able to match up physically to some degree. Now, not everyone is going to be able to do that. I think there are three teams, maybe four, that could just get on the field and not feel overwhelmed, Clay. And those four teams are Clemson, Georgia, um, Ohio State, and Oklahoma. I don't think there are any other teams that can feel that way. LSU has had a phenomenal start to the season. Best resume in America. They're going to get on the field with Alabama with that offense and have no chance. None. They're not getting in a 9-6 game with Alabama this time. Tonga Vailoa is not scoring six points ever. He's going to do that in three minutes, much less the entire 60 minutes. So that's where my thoughts are right now is that it would take a, a Herculean effort, an injury, uh, a, a game where Tonga Vailoa throws three or four picks, you know, something crazy to happen. It is the Giants beating the Patriots in the Super Bowl. It, it's going to take an upset, and I think the only teams that even have a prayer of that upset are the four that I mentioned. We're talking to Joel Clad. I want to hit you with this stat. I don't know if you saw this. This came from Alabama football. They tweeted it. All right, through three games, on third down, Tua Tagovailoa, on third down passing, is 12 for 12 for 298 yards and six touchdowns. And he's also carried three times for 34 yards and three first downs. When you think about a guy on third down, when everybody knows that you are going to have to pass, and many of those have been third and long, to go 12 for 12 for 298 yards and six touchdowns as a quarterback, how unbelievable of a stat line is that? I can't even fathom what, what that even means or entails. I can't. I can't analyze it. I can't. I, that that is. I would tell you, like, oh, you know, what are we playing Madden? Is this back to like the '98 NCAA football? <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, is this video game stuff? Um, it's it's incredible. He he is really a remarkable player. He's a and this is what's so scary is that Nick Saban is is the I listen. I think he's the greatest coach of all time. I think that might be debate, debatable. That that debate is is quickly coming to an end. But you're going to give the greatest college football coach ever a transcendent quarterback for the first time in his career. He's going to win the national championship. He's won five national championships with average guys, basically. You know, I mean, he had two last year in the second half. But my goodness, he won a national championship with Jacob Coker. For goodness sake, what is he going to do with Tua Tagovailoa? He's going to win the national championship. I fear that we're all playing for second place right now. Is this good or bad for college football? I was having this conversation with Colin Cowherd. He's like, look, most people west of the Mississippi don't think they have a chance to even contend now. you got Oklahoma, who's clearly west of the Mississippi, although that's barely west of the Mississippi. The whole Pac-12 is like, you know, kind of tuned out. Is Alabama's dominance actually bad for college basketball? And the reason why I ask that is, I think Golden State's dominance is bad for the NBA, right? But... Golden State, at least it's a best-of-seven-game series. So I think it's even worse in the NBA because you're not going to beat Golden State in seven if they're healthy, right? At least with Alabama, one-game scenario, crazy things can happen. Is this good of an Alabama team, good or bad for college football? I think it's good. Now, I, I, I love dynasties. I love greatness. I love Jordan. I love Ali. I love Woods. You know, like, I, yeah. I'm in, man. You know, like, that's what I love. And I candidly, I bristle at this fact. It's like, oh, 
you know, these people are too good. I was like, well, what do you mean? What are we trying to do? Give ribbons to everybody? You know, this is, this is not, this is a meritocracy. If you're better and can earn it on the field, you should be the, the stakeholder, the title holder. Uh, that's the way that I feel. So I think it's good for college football, and it should raise everybody's game. I think this is the best de- uh, decade of football that I've ever seen. We're going to ask Joel Klatt about what he thinks about Ohio State, Urban Meyer coming back, all of that, plus a couple of other big programs, big days in college football, see what else he thought kind of caught his eye. But first, got to tell you, I know you're a big sports fan. Football season's here, and a lot of people are excited to wager on games. You can get in on the action with MyBookie.net. MyBookie.net, the industry-leading sports action website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score. MyBookie.net lets you play online and win big. Use promo code CLAY, that's C-L-A-Y, when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus. Game already kicked off. Don't sweat it. They also have live in-game action on every major league event, even eSports. No better time to join MyBookie.net than today. Go to MyBookie.net to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CLAY when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus. Get in on the action. Visit MyBookie.net's website today. Use promo code CLAY to get a 100% sign-up bonus. Bonus. That's mybookie.net, promo code CLAY, 100% bonus, no deposit necessary, terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only, void where prohibited. That is mybookie.net. I am Clay Travis. Up next, it'll be Joel Klatt. We'll break down Ohio State and more. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back. Geico Outkick Studios. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. All right, Ohio State fans are confident because Urban Meyer is going to come back. What do you think the vibe is going to be with Urban this week? Kind of a test run before they get ready to go on the road in Happy Valley. Your thoughts on Urban coming back? You know, I I think that they've played so well and, and you can tell that that team has really bought into, you know, what Ryan day has told him. I know urban's been around during the week, but the fact of the matter is clay later today, urban's going to get on a podium and it's all coming back up. Right. Yeah. So, and, and I'm, and you know, I'm a big believer of this. The quickest way to be defeated is to be distracted. So like, I, this is, this is not good news for Ohio State, the football team. Um, now, eventually, do I think that they probably need to have him to have some semblance of a chance if they are to face Alabama later in the year? Yes. Yes. But this is a hurdle for them. This is, this is, going to, this is a self-inflicted adversity situation because um, all of it's coming back up. All of it. He's going to be asked about memory loss. He's going to be asked about the text messages. He's going to be asked about Trace Armstrong. He's going to be asked all of, all of it, Clay, and all those players, you know, they're not going to be able to get away from it. So it's all coming back now, and we'll see how Ohio State deals with it because, quite frankly, on the field in the first three games, they've been really good. They've been really good. One of the three most dominant teams in college football, I would argue. All right, let's go through what happened with the Big Ten. Kansas beats Rutgers oh, by 41. Oh, all right. 
It was a rough day, the worst day in the history of the Big Ten Conference. I mean, statistically, at least in the AP era. Northwestern lost at home to Akron. That's the first win, by the way, Akron has ever gotten over a Big Ten team going all the way back to 1894. Nebraska lost at home to Troy. Wisconsin lost at home to BYU. Maryland lost at home to Temple. Purdue lost at home to Missouri. And Illinois lost at home to South Florida. For the Big Ten fans out there, many of whom are licking their wounds on Monday morning as they go into the office and likely are going to face some uh, some ribbing from their coworkers. What in the world happened? They're just not very good. And I think that the only alarming one, and, and maybe you would disagree with me on this, but let's, because let's face it, right? I, I've tried to do this to you when the bottom two-thirds of the SEC has a bad week. And I'll, and I'll throw that in your face, and you'll be like, yeah, but, the, I mean, who are we really talking about? So I think that the only one that's really bad is Wisconsin. Would you yeah. disagree with that? Well, I think it's really bad in the context of Wisconsin had Big Ten title and national title ambitions. I don't think anybody else on this list you looked at and you thought, oh, that's a team that has really high aspirations. Not to say they shouldn't have high aspirations, but if they have an eight-win season at all these other schools, it's like a good year. Wisconsin is the one that jumps out to me, and you're like, holy crap, I can't believe Wisconsin lost at home to BYU. That's a team that I thought could be undefeated in the Big Ten title game. So I'm with you there. And I think certainly Michigan State losing to Arizona State is is on that, that same level. Yeah. And now Let you're down you basically. Let happened now. Because, because of how bad that was, and you're right. Listen, you're, I'm, I'm tailed between my legs because before the season I was touting the Big Ten. Uh, and as, by the judging of by your tweets, you think I should be fired because of that, <laughs> which is fine. Which is fine. That was a nice little. Uh, that was a dagger. I felt like it was a subtweet, but that's fine. You know, you know what? Go ahead, it wasn't just go even ahead and at me. Listen, if you're going to melt my face off, just go ahead and at me. It, it wasn't well, even really I was you that I was th- on Friday night. If I was melting Andy Staples' face off, I just threw him right in there. It wasn't even just you that I was going after. I thought about you a little bit, but you, like, it makes more sense because I'm going to be honest, like, you call Big Ten games, and so, like, you're not thought to say that you're in the tank for the Big Ten because you give your honest opinion, but, you know, like, I remember back in the day when Gary Danielson came on and he was like, yeah, I don't think the SEC deserves to get two teams in, right? I think he said that, and at one point, I don't remember what year it was even now, and the SEC people were like, dude, that's the guy who calls our SEC game of the week. He shouldn't say that on the SEC broadcast, right? And that gets into kind right. of an interesting broadcast ethics, right? Like when I know when you're calling the Big Ten title game, it, you you need to be arguing for the Big Ten, in my opinion, in some way. It's not, not, not that you're like the Big Ten's lawyer, but when you call a Big Ten game and you're an analyst, I think you should be presenting the best case you can for why the Big Ten deserves to get a team in. Right? I mean, I think that's let me, totally... Let me give you an example. Yeah. Let me give you a, a, a really clear example of this because I deal with it every single time I call the Big, the Big Ten Championship game because at some degree, you know, you, you're calling uh, a game in which it's going to have playoff implications. It, yes. You know, you wouldn't disagree with that. So it was very easy on the first Big Ten Championship game I ever called because it was Iowa, it was Michigan State, winner was going to go. And yep. we knew it, everyone knew it, right? And so it's just like, hey, let's call the game, boom, and, and let's have at it. Um, the next year, it was interesting because Ohio State had beaten Michigan, which allowed Penn State to then jump into the game, if you remember. Yes. And 
And I've always been a proponent that you need to win your conference to go to the playoffs. So I was in a really tough position at that point because here I am calling the game on. We had 13 and a half million viewers on average for that Penn State Wisconsin uh, Big Ten title game. And, and I said, and listen, you know me well enough, Clay, like, I don't generally say things I don't believe. Yes. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Okay, so I came out, and in that game, I basically said, I thought Penn State should be the representative. Yeah. I said, I think Penn State's got a better case than Ohio State. They beat them head-to-head, and now they've won the title. And I felt the same way last year in arguing for Ohio State over Alabama. And I'm okay with that. And I, and I felt like I was okay with that. Listen, I had to walk out and, and present the trophy to, uh, you know, uh, James Franklin that night. And guess who was standing right there? Jim Delaney. And he says, hey, I think you're wrong. Like, you know, and he basically told me, like, interesting take on Ohio State. And I was like, well, I, I don't know. You know, like, this is what you're going to get from me. So when I said what I said in preseason this year, I, ge- I genuinely believed it. I absolutely believed it, and I have been proven dead wrong. The Big Ten has not played well. The, the top end of their conference has, has been okay with Ohio State and Penn State. But I will tell you right now, I think that there are only three teams from that conference that even have a prayer at the playoff, and Wisconsin's not one of them. Let me tell you why. Last year, Clay, they were undefeated and then lost a, a close game to Ohio State in the championship game as their only loss and didn't have a sniff at the playoff. Not a sniff, right? I mean, they weren't even brought up at all. And their only loss was to Ohio State, who was the Big Ten champion. So you're going to tell me that this year that they can have the exact same record as last year, 12-1, and with the loss to BYU and get included? I don't think so. I don't think the committee's going to operate that way. So, candidly, I, I think Wisconsin's out. Penn State, Ohio State, and I'm assuming Michigan is probably the other team that you think could have a chance because that yeah, loss to Notre Dame. Because is... their loss was first week, it's Notre Dame, and if they showed the fact that they could go beat Michigan State, Penn State, Ohio State, win the Big Ten, I think that we would include them in the playoff, and I think you would probably agree with that. Yeah, look, I mean, I think the great thing about college football is, and what I've always found is, if you just own when you're wrong, fans will accept it. Like I, I said and I tweeted and I said on the show in the first hour, I was totally wrong about LSU. I thought Miami was going to beat them. I thought Auburn was going to beat them. And I'll be damned if they didn't come out and prove me 100% wrong. And I haven't believed in Coach O. All last year, I didn't believe in him. And they're 8-2 and two against the spread. They keep proving people like me wrong. And I think maybe they even thrive on no one expecting them. But so, uh, so I don't think, like, when you're wrong, just own it. Like, I'm wrong all the time. And I come on and say, hey, guess what I got wrong? And that was a big one there. Well, yeah, because none of us are going to be right all the time. Yes. That's why they play the game. You know, I mean, so, and, and it was by a thin margin that I had the Big Ten ahead of the SEC, but I had them ahead and I was wrong. All right, so Penn State and Ohio State, I know it's two weeks away, but I would be stunned if both those teams aren't 5-0. and How do you assess the growth of Penn State? Obviously, Joe Moorhead is down at Mississippi State doing really well there. They promoted Ricky Rainey, who's a young guy, um, and seems to be going pretty well on the offensive side of the ball. In your mind, is Penn State good enough to beat Ohio State? Will they beat Ohio State? Um, I, I don't think they're good enough. I don't think they're good enough defensively. Um, I, see, TCU is very good defensively. Very good. 
Uh, they got some good players, maybe one of the most underrated schematic defensive coaches in America and game plan coaches in Gary Patterson. And Ohio State still, and I know there were two defensive scores, but they were still explosive enough on offense. I just don't see how Penn State's going to stop the Ohio State offense. I just I don't see it. And, and when you watch Penn State's games, save for some late touchdowns, McSorley generally has to make it all happen. You know, throwing the 50-50 ball down the field, you know, scrambling around. I mean, there's so much pressure on him to be great at all times. And I think that's going to come crumbling down once we get to that game because I do believe that Ohio State has been dominant. Um, I think that they've got a great roster, maybe not Alabama great, but a great roster. Um, and, and I will tell you this, if, if Bosa's on the field, I, I, don't, I don't see how Penn State wins that game. However, this is all I'll say in Penn State's defense. They've recruited very well, and they have not lost at home when Trace McSorley has been their quarterback. There's something to that, Clay. Like, something about it, the magic, whatever it is, you know it's going to be bumping that night. Um, so uh, that would be the feather in their cap. Let's go back to Urban Meyer for a minute here to close out uh, kind of our discussion with you. And we're talking to Joel Clad. He's going to join us every single Monday, all season long, hour two of the Monday show. Urban Meyer, you just said, later today is going to have to stand up at the podium. He may decline to answer questions because he talked to Tom Rinaldi. <clears throat> I think he's going to get peppered with them regardless. I think it's going to be hard to avoid them. What is going to happen with Urban Meyer at Ohio State? Because I don't think this story is going away. I think you mentioned it was a distraction. It certainly is going to be one. I think it became such a mushroom cloud that even people who aren't college football fans kind of craned their neck and started to pay attention to the mess that was going on there. How does this resolve itself? Do you think Urban Meyer is the long range going to be the guy at Ohio State? Or has this turned into such like a slow burn that in some way it soured his relationship there with people at Ohio State? It probably shortened his tenure there by, I would say, two or three years. And, Clay, I didn't think he was going to be there past, you know, four or five years. So now I think we're in a two-year window where he either says, hey, that's enough for me, um, and, and they have uh, a deal very similar to Stoops and Lincoln Riley where Ryan Day just kind of takes over, which is, I think, maybe long-range. Why they made Ryan Day the interim coach is maybe they don't believe that this is going to be a long runway for Urban Meyer. But something tells me, you know, I, I have talked with him, and, and he, he never seems to he, – he's not coaching like Bill Snyder. And, and I don't think he ever really wanted to be a guy like Saban that coached as long as Saban is coaching right now. And I've always thought that it was going to be some sort of five, you know, four, five, six-year window. And, and I do believe that this shortens it a little bit. Just because of the stress, I just don't think he's going to want to deal with everything that comes with later today, the press conference, the constant questions. If they make the playoff, guess what's coming, Clay? Oh. All the same questions. And, yes. and, and I don't think he's going to want to deal with that for an extended period of time. I might be wrong. I might be wrong. I've not talked with him about this. Um, I think he's a great coach. I think he's the second best coach of this era, which is quite admirable. Um, and and we'll see where it goes from there. All right, I actually want to build off that. What would he do if he walks away? Is he a guy who just decides to go hang up the whistle? Maybe he goes into media, or do you see him having any interest at all in the NFL? Yeah, I don't know. I I, I don't think that he has any interest in the NFL, and I and I don't think that the NFL. 
and this is not a knock, but he's a great college coach, you know, and, and you get the sense of that when you are around his program. He's very big picture. He's very CEO. He's, you know, he's not, he's not as in tune. Like I think Lincoln Riley is an interesting one for the NFL because he's so ingrained in the X's and O's. He's kind of like yeah. a Sean McVay of college football. Whereas I could see an owner saying, Hey, let's go get Lincoln Riley. Whereas I just don't get that sense with Urban now. Might have been in the past, but now very much the motivator, the philosopher, the CEO of a program, which I don't think is all that attractive, candidly, to the NFL because the NFL is such a schematic game and, and it's such a matchup game that you need someone that's going to be in there grinding as a head coach over the X's and O's and not sitting in there as some sort of CEO type. We're talking to Joel Klatt. Okay, I want to build – this Urban thing is to me is fascinating on several different levels. I argue that almost losing to Penn State or losing to TCU might have helped Urban Meyer because it knocks them down a rung and they're not seen as contenders all year long, which means the national media and the national conversation is not surrounding him in the same way. Couldn't you argue for his long-range future at Ohio State that losing a couple of games and not being in the playoff picture for once could actually help him because it's like people just forget about it and don't pay attention to it as much? not now because they've looked dominant without him on the sideline. So now if he does lose a game, people are going to be like, well, hey, maybe, maybe there's an issue. Yeah. You know, I, think, I think fans are that fickle. So now I think that there's more pressure because they were so successful with Ryan Day. They looked dominant. They looked better on offense, quite frankly, in particular throwing the ball down the field, which they didn't necessarily do outside of those three games with Cardell Jones in, in 2014. Um, so I think that there's actually more pressure on Urban personally to come out there and prove that I can be and make this program better with my presence. I know that sounds crazy to say, but that's where we're at now with how dominant they've been in the first three games. Joel, you're married. I'm married. When I see this Ohio State mess, one of the first things I think is it's bad enough when people are focused on you. I can't imagine my wife being involved in a story like this and having to go through that at the home front, right? Like, that's messy. Do you ever sit about sit around thinking, like, if you make a mistake and people are like, I can't believe Joel Klatt did X, at least your family life when you go home, it isn't hopefully involved at all. I can't imagine how awful of a situation that is for Urban Meyer because he can't really escape it. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, it does. I think that it's, it's a little bit different because – like I've, I've never dealt with that. So I, you know, I've never, I've never, you know, I don't sign a contract with Fox with my wife next to me and say like we, the whole time, like we, you know, we're just, so, and, and it's different for coaches because their wives are there. Their wives are kind of the first lady of the programs, if you will. And so I, I do think it's different and I, and I have no idea what that is, what it's like. Um, or what it's like to go through that. I do know that my dad was a high school football coach for 30 years, and so I knew what it was like just in that small community for my mom um, as being kind of, you know, the, the wife of the head coach. Um, and it's, it's, just, it's just a difficult thing, and, and you know that you have to attack it together, and I feel like that's what they've always done, the Myers. And at this point, um, I, I don't see them – straying from that i feel like that what they're doing now is a a joint strategy joel it's always outstanding we'll talk to you next week what game you got this weekend i will be in iowa for uh wisconsin iowa so appreciate the badgers for uh you know throwing some cold water on that game for us
No kidding, indeed. My man, have a good weekend <laughs> and good week, and uh, we will talk to you next week. You got it, bud. Later. That was Joel Klatt. And now with our update, it's Eddie Garcia. What you got for me? In late action on Sunday, Jaguars beat the Patriots 31-20 in a rematch of last year's AFC title game. Jaguars are 2-0, led by quarterback Blake Bortles, who had four touchdown passes in that win over New England. Broncos get a last-second field goal to edge the Raiders 20-19. Denver's 2-0. Raiders are now 0-2. Rams are also 2-0. Todd Gurley, three touchdown runs for L.A. as they beat the Cardinals 34-0. Arizona 0-2. 49ers beat the Lions 30-27. Detroit 0-2 on the year. In the early games on Sunday, the Chiefs outscore the Steelers 42-37. Kansas City's 2-0. Quarterback Patrick Mahomes had six touchdown passes, giving him 10 in two weeks, which is a new NFL record for the first two games of the season. Second straight week, we've got a tie in the NFL. Vikings and Packers play to a 29-29 draw in Green Bay. Kirk Cousins, four touchdown passes for Minnesota. Buccaneers over the Eagles, 27-21. Tampa Bay's 2-0. Ryan Fitzpatrick for the second week in a row had four touchdown passes over 400 yards passing for Tampa Bay. Falcons beat the Panthers 31-24. Atlanta quarterback Matt Ryan had four touchdowns, two passing, two rushing. Saints had to rally at home to beat the Browns 21-18. New Orleans scoring 18 points in the fourth quarter to get that win. Dolphins are 2-0. They beat the Jets 20-12. It was the tight Titans getting the win over the Texans 20-17. Houston now 0-2 on the year. Marcus Mariota did not play in this game for Tennessee out with an injury. Chargers beat the Bills 31-20. Buffalo defensive back Vontae Davis quit at the halftime. Announces retirement. Bills are 0-2 on the year. Phillip Rivers three touchdown passes in the win for LA. And the Colts knock off the Redskins in D.C. 21-9. Now back to Clay Travis and the Geico Outkick the Coverage Studios. We are indeed here in the Geico Outkick Studios, where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Final segment, hour two. Got some Animal Thunderdome for you. All that plus in hour three, we're going to talk with Alex Marvez. We'll break down everything surrounding the NFL with him. We'll also break down NFL and college football, top of hour three. We're rolling Monday edition. Outkick the coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. We've all had a bad day on the golf course. It's not easy to find a fix for your game there, but there is a way to find a fix for your check engine light at AutoZone. The free AutoZone Fix Finder tool will find the likely issues saving you money down the road. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Also, we're brought to you by Granger. Granger's got your back when it comes to the safety and industrial supplies that help keep your facility running. Get what you need when you need it at Granger.com. I am Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage. So much to get to NFL and college football. We're going to give you a little bit of an interlude here. It's Animal Thunderdome time. Ladies and gentlemen. I'm just glad I was there. Boys and girls. I thought he thought I was like this ginormous piece of chicken. Dying time's here. I had a bullet instructor stuck to my face. Sam, you have a what? This is Animal Thunderdome. What have you got for me, Danny G? Clay, do you think that you should start with the tiger hunter? Yeah. The tiger so we, update? This murderous yeah, was that tiger? They have yep. hired a the greatest tiger hunter in the world. He hunts tigers from an elephant. This is t- not made up. In the ma- there's a man-eating tiger loose in India that has eaten 13 people. 
uh, killed and uh, partially devoured 13 people in India. It went all the way to the Indian Supreme Court to allow this tiger to be killed because they're a protected species. And they have now brought in, and his first goal is actually, so he says, not to kill the tiger. It's to tranquilize the tiger, although I don't know where you take a man-eating tiger. Uh, but the greatest Indian, uh, the greatest Indian tiger hunter of them all, is now hunting a tiger, probably as we speak. On his uh, on, and it's crazy. They hunt tigers from the backs of elephants. I mean, this is real. This is not like a made-up story. So it is going on as we speak. I'm fascinated by this. We need to see a movie or a documentary made about the tiger hunting. But that is uh, that is what is going on as we speak. What else you got? <laughs> All right, let's move to Africa. It happened in the early hours of September 12th. Cries of pain from a Senegalese citizen were heard throughout the neighborhood of Santa Teresa. Local police arrived. They found the man writhing in pain, gesturing to his crotch. Local residents explained to the police that the African became wounded shortly before the police had arrived. Witness said that the man kicked a dog of a local resident, and then the dog retaliated by clamping his teeth Onto the attacker's Dick Cheney and then his hand as the man tried to push the dog away. An ambulance arrived shortly after to uh, Santa Teresa where the wounded man was treated. Serious injuries to his uh, Dick Cheney tore the skin and uh, the... <laughs> I, we're gonna get we're gonna get dropped. Yeah, I know. A I, I, stations I, I know. I can't read. Uh, I can't read the details here, but pretty gruesome. He's going to have to have reconstructive surgery, and he's going to be a regular at the urologist for months and months and months. He is now recovering at the medical center in Tarragona. Maybe don't kick a dog. Maybe in retrospect, not a good move to kick the dog. I'm not sure we blame the dog there. I don't know whether the the kick, I don't know the details behind it, but obviously the, the man, the dog went for the crown jewels, and he may have won that battle. Yeah, I'm on the dog side on that one there. Yeah, without knowing all the details behind it, for sure. Uh, what else you got? Oh, that'll do it for this morning. That's it. You're yeah. just like we got to do the Animal Thunderdome today. Well, I gotta Africa say, got I gotta say, we were tweeted quite a few Animal Thunderdome stories, but a lot of them were old. If they say four months, five months ago, we've done that on the Animal Thunderdome. So make sure the stories that you're tweeting into us are, you know, from this month. I think there was a man killed by a shark in Cape Cod. I did see that, but that's boring. That's just one kill. We're up to 13. That's, that's kind of a big deal when somebody gets killed by a shark in America. Um, and so I'll say this. A 26-year-old guy got killed in Cape Cod. Uh, he was uh, he was just out swimming, I guess. Yeah. He was boogie boarding when the shark attacked, uh, leading to the first shark attack fatality in Massachusetts in eight decades. Uh, this is a pretty crazy, uh, pretty crazy uh, story. Attack occurred around noon in uh, Newcomb Hollow Beach in Wellfleet in Massachusetts, um, and uh, that is uh, that's pretty brutal. First one in eight decades um, that a person has been attacked by a shark. I think wasn't that where uh, wasn't Cape Cod where they set uh, Jaws? I believe Cape Cod in the like Massachusetts area was where they set Jaws. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, so uh, that's the first one in eight decades in Massachusetts. So uh, obviously, so see, uh, Clay, it doesn't happen that often. You're okay to get in the water. Oh, I always get in the water, but that doesn't mean I th- think it's a smart move to get in the water. I don't think about sharks. <laughs> uh, all right, so we come back. F- uh, final hour of the show, Monday edition. Ryan Fitzpatrick. 
Patrick Mahomes, the two best quarterbacks in the NFL through two weeks. Would you have ever believed that was possible? All the biggest stories, NFL and college football. Alex Marvez is scheduled to join us. We have got a ton to discuss. Absolutely incredible weekend of the NFL and college football. I feel like this is the question we're going to have to be asking all year. Alabama or the field? And I don't necessarily know the answer. It's final hour. Outkick the coverage. Alex Marvez is going to be with us. I appreciate all of you. Thanks for spending your Monday morning with us. Uh, outkick the coverage. Absolutely off and rolling. Unless you're a Texans fan. Man, did they blow it yesterday. This is Outkick. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Also, you can borrow up to 40 grand to pay off your high interest debt or credit cards with Lending Club. Go to lendingclub.com slash iHeart today and check your rate in minutes. That's lendingclub.com slash iHeart. All loans made by WebBank member FDIC equal housing lender i am clay travis and i appreciate you spending your monday morning with us we have got so much to review here it is pretty phenomenal all the great college football and nfl action we had uh, on week two in the nfl week three in college football so let me just dive into all of it and tell you the storylines that stood out the most in the nfl and in college football And then uh, in the second segment here, an hour or two, we are going to talk with Alex Marvez. Now, for all of you waking up right now, if you have not downloaded the, uh, the OutKick podcast or you have not signed up for it, I would encourage you to do so. Obviously, during football season, we've got so many stories to discuss. Hour two, all during football season. Joel Klatt, Fox's lead college football analyst, will join us in hour two. So you can feel comfortable about that. You can, uh, you can go make sure you don't miss it. Hour one, me reacting to college football and the NFL. Hour two, Joel Klatt on college football. Hour three will be Alex Marvez on the NFL. So if you download the podcast, you can get whatever you like at the time that you like it. NFL or college football focused. Obviously, I hope you're like me and you like both, but if you only like one or the other or you only have the time to listen to one or the other, make sure that you go download the podcast. All right, big stories out of the NFL. Guys, would you have ever believed that through two weeks of the season, the leading MVP candidates, if you had to pick a guy in the AFC, it would be Patrick Mahomes. If you had to pick a guy in the NFC, it would be Ryan Fitzpatrick. I don't see how you can argue otherwise. Mahomes now has 10 touchdown passes through two weeks of the NFL season. That's the most in the history of the NFL. Ryan Fitzpatrick, meanwhile, Fitzmagic is on fire. He's got nine total touchdowns, one rushing, eight passing against only one interception. If you're AFC MVP through two weeks, Patrick Mahomes. Your NFC MVP through two weeks, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Going to discuss this a lot, I would imagine, because I think the Bucs are going to beat the Steelers this coming weekend. Is there any way that you bench Ryan Fitzpatrick right now to replace him with Jameis Winston? If you do, how much pressure more does that put on the Bucs coaching staff? How do you mess with a guy who's the MVP of the NFC so far? I think Jameis Winston's been Wally Pipped. I don't think he's going to get his job back. 
a bunch of other different stories other than Fitzmagic, but Ryan Fitzpatrick is so in control of things in Tampa Bay right now that he showed up dressed up in Deshaun Jackson's outfit, his chains and his shirt, won over the entire uh, country. And this is what it sounded like when uh, Deshaun Jackson showed up in the press briefing shirtless and realized that Ryan Fitzpatrick was wearing his gear. Hey, DJ. I got like two more because DJ needs his stuff back. <laughs> yeah, I borrowed your stuff. Sorry, Deshaun. Wait, what, what is yours? Is any of that yours or is that? The chest hair is mine. <laughs> if you, an amazing line. If you haven't seen that picture of Ryan Fitzpatrick, you need to go see it. Uh, make sure you, lo- you can log on to Twitter. I retweeted it last night. Uh, the chest hair from Ryan Fitzpatrick is glorious. The beard, I mean, he looks like Conor McGregor. He looks exactly like Conor McGregor. Incredible look. Fitz magic, man. It has taken over in Tampa Bay. I don't know how you bench him. Meanwhile, the Jacksonville Jaguars, they whipped the New England Patriots. I know this is like rinse and repeat from the last couple of years. The Patriots typically don't look that good in September. But is this year different? Remember, my fearless prediction coming into the season was that the Patriots suddenly go 8-8 and and don't win their division, and don't make the playoffs. They're 1-1 one and one right now. Is this a legitimate fear, or is this exactly what happened last year where the Patriots don't look that good in September? Eventually, they're going to get Julian Edelman back, and they will go on and be fine. We don't know for sure, but the Jags looked pretty incredible, particularly because Blake Bortles played out of his mind. Four touchdown passes, nearly 400 yards passing for Blake Bortles. Jags fans have been sitting around for a while saying, with this defense, if we just had a decent quarterback, what if Blake Bortles plays decent? What if having this good of a defense takes the pressure off of him? The Jags are 2-0, and looking to go 3-0 and with the Titans coming to town this coming weekend. The Steelers. Ben Roethlisberger was great. It still wasn't good enough. They gave up over 40 points to Patrick Mahomes and to the Kansas City Chiefs, the Steelers are now 0-1-1. And they're going on the road against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I think they're going to fall to 0-2-1. Is it time to officially hit the panic button on the on the Pittsburgh Steelers? We'll have our panic rankings tomorrow. Which NFL teams need to be panicked? The Raiders fall to 0-2. Now, at least Derek Carr looked a lot better. But this team now falling to 0-2. John Gruden's return to coaching not going as he would have helped. Texans, Titans, I was at this game. What an incredible job coaching by Mike Vrabel and his coaching staff. What an improbable, awful job by Bill O'Brien. With the Titans, you have their top two tackles, Taylor Lewan and Jack Conklin, out. You have the next up man up also out with an injury. The Titans had to sign from their practice squad a tackle to play on the game. Marcus Mariota is out. They score on a Kevin Byard touchdown pass on a fake punt. Derrick Henry runs a bunch of plays out of the Wildcat, has eight yards passing, and Blake and Blake Boros, Blaine Gabbert, gets the win in revenge of quarterbacks that everybody has ridiculed for a long time. Fitzpatrick, boom, big W. Blaine Gabbert, boom, big W. Blake Bortles, boom, big W. If you've been ridiculed recently at the quarterback position, this was your weekend. By the way, also Ryan Tannehill. Not a big win, but any win in the NFL is a good win. 
2-0 and for the Dolphins. That means the state of Florida, while its football programs and college football have fallen on their face and been mediocre at best, Miami Dolphins, 2-0. and Jacksonville Jaguars, 2-0. and Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 2-0. and 6-0 and for the state of Florida so far in the NFL season. Titans, though, outcoach the Houston Texans. Texans fall to 0-2. Deshaun Watson, an improbable, nearly 20-second long final play of this game that leads to a completed pass in the middle of the field. I've never seen a quarterback take that long on a, on, in a two-minute offense. The game runs out. The clock runs out. Texans have fallen to 0-2. Vikings and the Packers tie. Second straight week with ties in the NFL for the first time since the 1970s. What's up with all the missed kicks by all of the NFL kickers? Total mess there. Cowboys-Giants, Sunday night football. The Giants look done. I'm just telling you, they signed Odell Beckham Jr. to a $100 million contract. Your boy here said, I don't know if that was money well spent. Eli Manning looks finished. Saquon Barkley doesn't look to be much of a difference maker. The Giants fall to 0-2. The Cowboys manage to get to 1-1. And I love this story because I'm rooting for him. Andrew Luck, after a long, long offseason, misses out all of last year. First win as a starting quarterback since 2016. It is a good feeling. The Browns, they lose again. The Saints storm back late to get a victory there. The Browns, I believe it's now been something like 600 days since they won an NFL football game. It's unbelievable, city of Cleveland, to not be able to get a win yet. All right, that is all of the biggest stories in the world of the NFL. Uh, I should probably also mention Jimmy Garoppolo gets a win, uh, and Matthew Stafford and the Detroit Lions are 0-2. I think the way to look at the NFL right now as you really break it down, and we'll talk some with Alex Marvez here next segment, our NFL insider who's going to be joining us every single uh, Monday throughout the NFL season and beyond. To me, you look at the standings and say, okay, how many teams are 2-0, all right? In the AFC East, it's been a long time since somebody else has been at the top of the AFC East. The Miami Dolphins are 2-0, and they are in first place. In the AFC North, there's only one 2-0 team, and it is the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, In the AFC South, we've got uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars as the only 2-0 team. In the AFC West, there are two 2-0 teams, Kansas City Chiefs and the Denver Broncos. In the NFC, not very many 2-0 teams, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the LA Rams, who obviously looked great against the Arizona Cardinals. All right, how many teams are 0-2? 2-0 teams versus 0-2 teams. If your team is 0-2, they have about a 10% chance of making the playoffs statistically. Arizona Cardinals are 0-2. Detroit Lions, 0-2. The Giants are 0-2. The Oakland Raiders, 0-2. The Houston Texans, 0-2. Cleveland and Pittsburgh are both 0-1-1 and not winnable. And the Buffalo Bills are 0-2. We'll have our panic list and everything else. That, in general, is the NFL uh, storylines that jumped out at me the most from the weekend that was. In college football, Alabama. Alabama is a different caliber of team than everybody else in college football. I almost think the question has to be at this point in time, and I, you heard me ask this of Joel Klatt, Alabama or the field, do you take the Crimson Tide to win the national championship or do you take every other team right now in college football? This stat from Tua Tagovailoa, Alabama had 49 points in the first half against Ole Miss. In the last two years, after losing the two consecutive games to them, Nick Saban has gotten his revenge on Alabama. 
or sorry, on Ole Miss on behalf of Alabama. Alabama has outscored Ole Miss 128 to 10 in the past two seasons. 128, 66 to 3, and 62 to 7. Remember, Ole Miss scored first seven uh, big touchdown to go up seven nothing. Then Alabama scored 62 unanswered. This season on third down, Tua Tagovailoa, 12 for 12 passing for 298 yards and six touchdowns. All right, I want to repeat that. Tua Tagovailoa on third down, okay? 12 for 12 passing, 298 yards and six touchdowns. It's an unbelievable record that he's got rolling there. Uh, Ohio State gets the win over TCU. Uh, and Urban Meyer is now back. He said a lot of things. We will continue to unpack the Urban Meyer mess later this week. There's too many games to discuss right now. Oklahoma State gets our other top 25 win over uh, over the uh, Boise State Broncos. LSU. I don't say this very often, but for all the LSU fans out there, for Coach O, I was wrong. My fearless prediction entering into this season was LSU was going to be 6-6 six and six. instead LSU is virtually unstoppable right now. Two road neutral top 25 wins so far against top 10 opponents for LSU. Auburn and Miami. The rest of college football combined has zero of those in major conference football. That's extraordinary. What an unbelievable performance by LSU so far through three weeks of this season. All right, another stat that is not pleasant. If you are a Big Ten fan, the Big Ten on Saturday, Kansas beat Rutgers by 41 points. Rutgers should have to shut down its football program for losing by 41 points. Northwestern loses to Akron. That's the first win Akron has ever had against a Big Ten school dating all the way back to 1894. Nebraska loses at home to Troy. Scott Frost 0-2 now in his debut in Nebraska. Wisconsin loses to BYU. It's a tough loss for Wisconsin. You heard me talking about that a great deal with Joel Klatt. Maryland loses to Temple. Purdue loses to Mizzou. That was an amazing 40-37 game. Illinois loses to South Florida. Seven different teams in the Big Ten lost non-conference games. That's the first time that has happened since the AP poll debuted all the way back in 1936. Remember when some people out there argued that the Big Ten had surpassed the SEC? Yeah, that didn't end up being true. All of those stories, massive amounts to keep track of, all of that rolling together in what was an incredible weekend of college football and the NFL. Now, in hour two, we broke down everything surrounding college football with Joel Klatt. In hour three, we are going to break down everything surrounding the NFL with our guy, Alex Marvez. I encourage all of you to make sure that you download the podcast, seek out OutKick, and make sure that you don't miss that up next, it's Alex Marvez, our NFL insider, to break down all of the NFL stories that happened uh, yesterday on Sunday. And then we'll talk a little bit probably about Monday Night Football going on tonight, 
the Bears hosting the Seattle Seahawks. One of those teams will emerge 0-2. The Bears about a four-point favorite in that game right now. We'll discuss all that more. I am Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Also, we're brought to you by Granger for safety and industrial supplies. Granger's got our back. Visit Granger.com. I am Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage. We are uh, joined by Alex Marvez here soon. Um, he is our NFL insider as we unpack the weekend that was. And again, I think the most remarkable story so far from week one and week two action in the NFL has been the rise of Patrick Mahomes. And maybe you could have predicted Mahomes if you were a hardcore believer in the Kansas City Chiefs or if you thought to yourself, man, this guy's got the ability to make every throw. You could maybe potentially have predicted that Patrick Mahomes would be really good. I don't think anybody could predict that he was going to come out and throw 10 touchdown passes in the first two weeks because it's never been done in the history of the NFL. So that in and of itself would have been very difficult to predict. But you could probably have said, you know what, if you wanted to be really fearless in your predictions, I think Patrick Mahomes is going to be the best quarterback in the AFC through two weeks. Could have done that. I don't think anybody would have predicted. And that would have still been a wild prediction for Patrick Mahomes to be the best quarterback in the AFC given all of the talent that exists at the quarterback position in the AFC. That would have been a wild and crazy prediction. I don't think anybody at all could have predicted what we have seen from Ryan Fitzpatrick that Fitzmagic would have been as unbelievable as it has been so far. Uh, To have eight touchdown passes to rush for a touchdown pass, to show up in the Deshaun Jackson outfit with the double chains and the crazy jacket. Nobody could have predicted that your AFC MVP would be Patrick Mahomes and that your NFC MVP through two weeks would be Ryan Fitzpatrick. We're joined now by Alex Marvez. Go follow him on Twitter at Alex Marvez. Which of these unbelievable stories, Mahomes or Fitzpatrick, is more surprising to you, uh, Alex Marvez? Uh, Mahomes, and I would say because we all expected him to throw a bunch of interceptions early on. And in fact, if you remember back to the preseason, the big story among the local media was how Mahomes keeps turning the football over. He is an Alex Smith, and instead, the young man goes out. He's basically interception-free to my knowledge, or maybe one of them. But 10 touchdown passes through the first two weeks of, of the season, that is the most touchdown passes in NFL history for any quarterback. Any, not just rookie, any quarterback ever. So Patrick Mahomes, and listen, the offensive talent around him is great, but it's, you know, it's it's the guys that we know, Tyreek Hill, who's fantastic, a great all-around receiver, Travis Kelsey, Kareem Hunt, and then, oh yeah, throwing Sammy Watkins in the mix with speed to burn and some other complimentary pieces. Offensive line's done a good job, and by the way, Pittsburgh's defense is hot garbage. That is just one awful, awful group. Don't want to take away from Mahomes, though. Go on the road two straight weeks and do what he did. It's amazing. As for Fitzpatrick, Listen, his supporting cast, it, and it makes you show, look, Jameis Winston, maybe he's the problem at quarterback, right? Maybe he was the one that couldn't get Deshaun Jackson involved in this offense because that's exactly what Ryan Fitzpatrick has done. And, you know, look, Jameis, 
you know, and I, I reported this last week. Now it's apparently a big deal this morning for people who don't pay attention. But, you know, Jameis has been texting his teammates. He's been offering congratulations after wins. He's trying to stay involved. But I don't know how, unless Ryan Fitzpatrick is absolutely horrible against that same Pittsburgh Steelers defense that's coming to town and can't cover anybody, I don't see how you turn back to Jameis Winston. I think he's been Wally Pipped. And at this point, you really have to wonder about his future for 2019 and beyond. All right, so let's go to that big drama in Tampa Bay. Ryan Fitzpatrick has come in. He's been unbelievable. I think you hit on something that's key. When he's suspended, Jameis Winston has not been in the locker room at all, right? He's not allowed to be around team facilities. So uh, he hasn't been able to interact at all with his teammates. He hasn't been there working out. Ryan Fitzpatrick, it seems like, I mean, even the Deshaun Jackson putting on the jacket and showing up. I mean, it's a funny thing, but I think it also kind of speaks to his relationship with the guys in the locker room, right, that that he yeah. would do that. I'm sure they loved everything about it. How in the world – and I, look, I think they're going to beat the, the Steelers and go 3-0 and to start the season. How in the world could you replace him if you are uh, Bucks, you know, owner, GM, coaching staff? How do you make that decision now? You don't. I mean, you don't replace him. You don't replace Ryan Fitzpatrick. And, you know, and that's the thing with Jameis, too. And listen, the excuse for week four can be this. We're coming off a short week because we're playing Monday night football, so it wouldn't be fair to anybody to not to have anyone else but Ryan Fitzpatrick as our starting quarterback heading into week four under those circumstances. So it buys them an extra week to see if, you know, the, the uh, carriage and Dean turns back into a pumpkin at the stroke of midnight type of thing. But I'm, I'm telling you, I just because Jameis lost everyone's trust. He did in that building. I mean, that's part of the problem that they have. And, look, they've worked with him. They understood that he was going to be, you know, coming out. He wasn't a finished product like a lot of quarterbacks, but he kept making a lot of the same mistakes, a lot of the things where you throw into double coverage, where you don't, you know, where you make just bad decisions and you turn the football over. He did a lot of good things. Look, Jameis Winston, the amazing part is he was playing the best football of his career last December and in and this preseason. He was brilliant, Clay. I mean, that's the thing. But Ryan Fitzpatrick is actually better right now running this offense. I, look, eventually someone's going to catch up with Todd Monken and his play calling. Let's not forget that there's been a change there in Tampa Bay. Dirk Cutter no longer calling the plays. He's handed it over to, to Todd Monken, the OC. And teams are eventually going to get a beat on what this guy's doing through analytics research and try to figure out what plays he likes best. And then there's going to be an adjustment at that point, and we'll see where Tampa Bay goes from there. But so far, so good. And, and it really just raises a lot of questions about Jameis in 2019, you know, he is under contract for one more year under his rookie deal. It's about $19 million. That's his salary for 2019. The money, the money is not guaranteed except against injury. So if Jameis were to get hurt, he'd get paid. But other than that, the Bucks are free to cut him at any time. They could potentially work out a trade in the offseason. Or maybe by the time all is said and done, Jameis Winston is back and resumes his status as the, quote, franchise quarterback for this team. But play right now, if, if it's not broken, you're not fixing it. Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to turn 36 in November, okay? Can you remember a quarterback having this kind of renaissance at his age ever? Um, you know, t- you know, Todd Collins is a weird one because it was so short-lived. But you remember a decade ago, passing the, after the, the death of Sean Taylor, that, you know, Todd Collins became the quarterback and actually led this team into the Redskins into the playoffs um, that year. That was a strange one to see a guy at that type of age. And the weird part about Fitz is that, that actually, is, as old as he is, and, and you know, he's, he's like the consummate backup. He's sort of, what, at least three games for all of the eight teams that he's played with? I mean, he's been with 25% of the NFL. I, I talked to Dirk Cutter about this. I mean, Fitz is so experienced right now 
that he told Dirk, I don't need extra snaps in the preseason. Give him the Jameis, give him the Ryan Griffin, you know, the third-string quarterback. Let them work. He actually took fewer snaps than what Dirk Cutter had planned for him this preseason because he's just at such a good point. I think he's happy with his family life and being a dad. You know, his kids are involved now. They're old enough to have some fun with it. And, you know, his teammates really enjoy the energy that he brings to the game. And he's super smart, obviously. I mean, so all of these things have been great. Look, at some point, Clay, it's going to go downhill just because there's going to be a team that can stop this passing offense. And then at that point, the Bucks are going to have to run the football, and you got Peyton Barber and not much else. I mean, Ronald Jones, their second-round pick out of Southern Cal, he's so far behind that he's not even active the first two weeks of the season. So it's not going to last forever. But the Pittsburgh Steelers, right team, right time, if you're, the not, if you're not overconfident in Tampa Bay. By the way, I don't know if you know this, Dirk Cutter's first three teams in Tampa Bay – they all won, or the past three years, they've all won their season openers, then they all lost the next week, sometimes because they got fat and happy. Not the case with the Eagles. Perfect opponent for them because they were so determined to show that week one wasn't a fluke and make their mark against the defending Super Bowl champions. Ryan Fitzpatrick has played for the St. Louis Rams, obviously now the L.A. Rams, <laughs> the Cincinnati Bengals, the Buffalo Bills where he had the most success and got a big-time contract, the Titans where he actually played a lot of games as well, the Houston Texans, the Jets, and now he's with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Seven. Okay, Seven that's an amazing yeah, roster there. Yes, and all, and all, by the way, combined losing records, I believe, with everyone. The only team that he has a winning record with, he's, uh, I believe, is with Tampa Bay. He might be one game over 500 with another team. You know, and Ryan was hot in 2011 or 2010. That's when he signed that contract extension with the Buffalo Bills earlier this decade. And then he kept playing injured. And that was one of the things. He just thought, no, i got to play. And he wasn't right. He had a rib issue. And his play just plummeted. And the play of the Bills plummeted. And then just the whole circle started again in Buffalo, as you know, with, with players going down the drain there. And he wasn't able to ever turn it around. That's when he ended up ultimately heading off to Tennessee. But, look, there's a reason he sticks around in this league. And he's, he's been perfect. You know, the other thing, too, you mentioned it yourself, Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun and the relationship with Mike Evans, he's targeting those guys. He's hitting him. Deshaun is involved early in these games. I mean, that, that was such a statement yesterday. And, and Deshaun, it still you know stings him that the Eagles cut him in his prime at age 27, another one of Chip Kelly's brilliant moves uh, in the city of brotherly love during his tenure there. But they were amped for this game. And, you know, hey, they're, they're rolling, man. State of Florida, it, it's all – everyone's undefeated. 2-0. You, guys are, yeah. you guys are 6-0 and if only the Gators and the Florida State Seminoles were any good. All right, now let me ask you uh, – <laughs> let me ask you this. Do you think Deshaun Jackson and Mike Evans will get asked their opinion about this at all, even privately? I always wonder about that when you've got big-time receivers making big-time plays. Or do you think the coach and the GM have no discussions with any players about who the starter should be? It puts, it puts the players in a bad spot because what if they then go back to Jameis and say they're asking me about whether you should play? I, I mean, look, yeah. the Bucs could very well do it, but I think you've got to be decisive as a staff. And, you know, look, for this one, it's playing itself out perfectly. And, and if they, this team continues playing the way it can, there's not going to be a single person complaining. Even Jameis Winston couldn't justify saying, oh, well, this guy's not playing well. You know, if, J- if Jameis Winston is as big a team guy as he touts that he is, and I, and I really sincerely believe that he is a team guy, he's not going to pout. He's not going to retire at halftime. He's not going to go through anything like that. Uh, you know, he's going to be there for the team, hopefully be ready to go. And again, I think he has a, a realization that he put himself into this position. I mean, he did this by violating the NFL's personal conduct policy, by apparently getting so drunk he doesn't remember what happened on the night of the incident. I mean, it was 2016. He's become a dad since then, you know, and, and he still works hard and all those things, and people like him. But he's the one that did it after he was told, listen, you're coming in here, and it's a, it's a very, you know, fine line because of what you did in college. 
you got to be really careful about how you live your life off the field. He didn't pay attention to it. He has lost the privilege to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers starter. All right, let's go into uh, Jags and Steelers talk, and obviously the Patriots uh, are involved here too. What jumped out at you about you mentioned the state of Florida, Jags two and zero, Bucks two and zero, and the uh, and the Miami Dolphins are two and zero. The state of Florida six and zero in the NFL so far. What jumped out at you about the Jags and the Patriots game? I can say this now. I said it last night on Fox Sports Radio with with K Dub and E from Salam. Blake Bortles is a good quarterback. And I don't have to duck. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like I'm at a comedy show and someone's going to throw something at me. Blake Bortles is a good quarterback. Blake Bortles won that game for Jacksonville Jaguars yesterday. The passing to Keelan Cole, Keelan was great, but he was precise. Blake makes plays with his legs. I got an interesting stat last night that, that over the past five years, there's only one player in the NFL who has rushed for at least 300 yards a season and averaged five yards or more a carry. It's actually Blake Bortles. That's amazing. As that is, that is. They call him the boat here, by the way. I didn't know about this until last night. Um, it, you know, Tom Brady's the goat, so Blake Bortles is the boat. But, I mean, look, he, he's improved. And Nate Hackett is a really creative play caller. He does some different things that are hard for defensive coordinators to pick up on. I was getting some insight on, on this last night. So and he's been a great fit, you know, with, with uh, Blake Bortles. And for them to do what they did without Leonard Fournette, you know, being a run-heavy team and being able to win with a passing game, was just so big. We know defensively they're going to show up, right? I mean, Dante Fowler Jr. isn't even a starter for them. The guy ended up having the key sack in the game yesterday. But, you know, right place, right time for them. And, and look, the, the Jaguars play, this was the toughest team in the preseason when it came to their training camp. I mean, I went to about 12 of them. This guy, Jackson, Doug Marone, he had his players out there. He wouldn't even practice early in the morning to get a break from the heat. These guys were out there at 10.30 in the morning, no shade, uh, you know, out there for two hours, two hours, 15 minutes, full contact, pads, you know, for the first, like, 11, 12 practices of training camp. I mean, he absolutely beat the crap out of these guys for the simple reason of he wanted them ready for situations like this. So a little bit of, you know, look, if they played 10 times, would the outcome be the same? I don't know. New England's not the same offense right now without Julian Edelman, and they can't really run the football. By the way, how often do you remember the Patriots, you know, beside the Super Bowl having to come from behind? I mean, they really don't play like that too often. So, you know, kudos to the Jags. They're ready. They're primed. and They got Tennessee. I think coming in at the right time, you know, Blaine Gabbard and company next Sunday. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a three, and I'll start by then. All right, so the Patriots. We talk about it every September. Is there anything different this year that makes you more nervous? We know they've had the the renaissance uh, multiple years where they've come back. Is there anything about this year that makes you think maybe they don't have the, the juice to be able to be a great team by December and January as they typically are? Back seven is still a little bit scary. I mean, Eric Rowe, their corner, was benched. He couldn't cover Keelan Cole, so they went with Jason McCourty, uh, you know, starting in the second quarter. So he's got to get his act together. Their linebackers are slow. And if you're you know, able to get one-on-one matches like the Jaguars were able to do or, or even, you know, attack that part of the zone defense, I mean, you're able to make plays against them. I think that's worrisome. You don't really have a, a main sack threat. On this team, there's nobody that really scares you and say, wow, this guy brings the heat. So Belichick and company are going to have to scheme their defense once again to make up for what is really a lack of, of marquee talent. Offensively, you know, look, they're the Patriots. They're going to be fine. I mean, and they're going to be teams that, look, the Jags have maybe the most talented defense in the NFL. See, this is, I think, the big thing, Play. I think the Jags, they're, now that they're schematically sound, and, and it seems like Doug Marone is making more aggressive decisions against a team like the Patriots, it's like when you have a team that's as physically talented as the Jags and you have good coaching, you're going to beat the Patriots most times because while the Patriots are so great at scheme, their, their talent is not as great. It just They have fallen behind the Jacksonville Jaguars right now. It's not to say that the, the Jags are going to the Super Bowl and the Patriots aren't, 
but it's just that the Jags now have a, have a perfect combination of really good coaching on all three phases of it, and on top of that, superior talent to what New England has. And I think you saw that on display. There'll be a different offense, too, when Julian Edelman gets back. I mean, that was one of the things, talking to some folks with the Jags, that you know they, they're concerned. They always got killed in the past by Amendola and Edelman. And those guys aren't there right now because Julian can really just, he's so elusive and he gets so much, you know, yards after catch and he just changes the way you have to play your defense a little bit. With him not out there, there's nobody scaring you. They were able to take Gronkowski out of the game. They had a really nice package of, you know, double team combinations, the way they bracketed him using a safety, et cetera. So, I mean, look, they were the, they were, they are right now a superior team to the Patriots. We'll see if New England can ultimately catch up, but also want to see too, can are going to, are they going to do anything else with the wide receiver position? Will they try to make a trade? with a team to even get a rental player. Are they that desperate to do it? I don't think they're Des Bryant desperate, but I think they are desperate enough that they may consider doing some other options. I watched the Texans and the Titans. Mike Vrabel put together an incredible game plan to be able to win with all of the injuries on that team. Uh, But I want to give you four teams that are winless so far that I think had somewhat decent expectations coming into the season. The Steelers, they're 0-1-1. The Raiders, they're 0-2. The Texans are 0-2, and the Giants are 0-2. Do you think any of those four will make the playoffs, and who should be the most panicked? I mean, Pittsburgh is the one that, that you know, really, to me, their, their offense is so high-powered, and even if you got Antonio Brown complaining about not getting thrown the football enough or whatever his situation was yesterday on the sideline, I mean, his team put up 35 points, and the guy's sitting there pouting. But, you know, defensively, they're, they're just a mess right now. They still can't cover. And, you know, that the loss of, you know, we can talk about the loss of Brian Shazier, but listen, they had nine months to find a replacement or find a way to tweak this defense. And so far, it just isn't showing up. Uh, you know, you also look at that Joe Hayden being out yesterday. That's a concern. To me, I thought the Giants would be better, but their offensive line, where I overestimated them a little bit, was this offensive line. It is not good. It is not playing well. It is not giving Eli Manning a chance to succeed. It's not giving Saquon Barkley a chance to run. These are talented guys that, that I just think are, you know, their talent's being wasted a bit. You know, Houston, I wasn't really on that bandwagon just because I didn't know what Deshaun Watson was going to bring to the table. They talked about this brand-new offense, but, you know, as much hype as Bill O'Brien gets, he's the former Patriots assistant, et cetera, worked with Tom Brady. Uh, he's been a 9-7 and seven type of coach. He's had a great defense. Well, that defense got outsmarted yesterday, like you talked about, Mike Rabel and that plan that put together by Matt LaFleur, short passing game, just get the ball out of his, out of out of Blaine Gabbert's hand simply because the tackle situation is such a mess right now because of injuries. Key special teams play, they caught the Texans off guard again. Their special teams have been among the worst in football for years, hasn't changed with the position coach change. So Houston, to me, not stunning 0-2, both games also on the road. And as for Oakland, look, they're going to be 0-3 because they're heading to South Florida to play the Dolphins for the 10 a.m. West Coast kickoff time. They can score, but they run out of gas late in the game. It's amazing. Derek Carr, the first quarterback in NFL history to complete to throw more than 30 times and complete 90% of his passes, and he still loses against the Denver Broncos on Sunday. they got to improve things on defense. They just, maybe they should try to see if the Bears will trade Khalil Mack back and see if they can work something out there. <laughs> Incredible stuff as always. Alex Marvez, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for rolling okay. with us here. Thank you, brother. Uh, that's Go Alex Marvez. <laughs> yeah, that's Alex Marvez on Twitter. Eddie Garcia, what you got for me? Let's get you to a Geico scoreboard from Week 2 in the NFL. Sunday night, Cowboys over the Giants 20-13. to Dallas quarterback Dak Prescott had an early touchdown pass. Running back Ezekiel Elliott, a late touchdown run to help Dallas get the win and drop New York to 0-2. In late action, a rematch of last year's AFC title game saw the Jaguars beat the Patriots 31-20. Jacksonville's 2-0. Blake Bortles, four touchdown passes in the win. Broncos over the Raiders 20-19. Denver improves to 2-0 thanks to a last-second field goal. Raiders drop to 0-2. Rams roll to a 34-0 win over the 
Cardinals LA is off to a 2-0 start. Todd Gurley, three touchdown runs for the Rams. Arizona drops to 0-2. 49ers edge the Lions 30-27. Detroit now 0-2 to start the year. In early games from Sunday, the Chiefs outscore the Steelers in Pittsburgh 42-37. Kansas City's off to a 2-0 start. The quarterback Patrick Mahomes threw a franchise record tying record. Uh, six touchdown passes in that win for Kansas City. Second straight week we've had a tie in the NFL this time. Vikings and Packers end up even at 29 apiece. Kirk Cousins, four touchdowns in that one for Minnesota. Buccaneers beat the Eagles 27-21. Tampa Bay's 2-0. Ryan Fitzpatrick, second straight week. He's had over 400 yards passing and four touchdowns for Tampa. Falcons beat the Panthers 31-24. Atlanta quarterback Matt Ryan had four touchdowns, two passing, two rushing. Saints had to rally with 18 fourth quarter points to beat the Browns 21-18. Cleveland still has not won a game since December of 2016. Dolphins are 2-0. They beat the Jets 20-12 on the road. The Titans down the Texans 20-7. Despite playing without starting quarterback Marcus Mariota, who was out with an injury, Houston is now 0-2 on the year. Chargers beat the Bills 31-20. Phillip Rivers, three touchdown passes for L.A. Buffalo now 0-2 on the year. Colts beat the Redskins 21-9. Good news, there is a quick way to save money. Switch to GEICO. Go to GEICO.com, and in 15 minutes, you can save 15% or more on car insurance. Back to Clay Travis in the GEICO Outkick the Coverage Studios. Final segment next. We break down the biggest story in the NFL. I'll tell you what it is next on Outkick the Coverage. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Now's also a fantastic time to buy a new Honda. Visit shophonda.com or visit your local Honda dealer today. Also... We're brought to you by Granger. Granger's got your back when it comes to the safety and industrial supplies that help keep your facility running. Get what you need when you need it at Granger.com. And also what you should do is probably actually finish a game if you start it, which Vontae Davis was not willing to do. I know it's been a rough season already for Buffalo. They're not very good. They're starting a rookie quarterback in Josh Allen. But even the Bills had to be a little bit stunned when their starting cornerback decided he wasn't going to go back out for the second half and then announced his retirement. This is real life. Real life NFL, unbelievable story. Vontae Davis pieces out at halftime. He was uh, one of his teammates discussed it after the game. Who is this, Danny G? This is Lorenzo Alexander, a Bills linebacker. Bills linebacker finds out that his teammate on the defense isn't going to be there for the second half. Here's his reaction after the game. You've seen anything like that in your NFL Never career. have seen it ever. Pop Warner, high school, college, pros, never heard of it, never seen it. And it's just completely disrespectful when to did, a, uh, his teammates. Did he say anything to you? Did, did, did he say anybody to anything? He didn't say nothing to nobody. He left? When did yeah, he you know as much as I know. I know I found out going in the second half of the game. Uh, coming out, said he said he's not coming out, he retired. <laughs> so. What? Yep, that's it. So. Who said what? Who said he was on the sideline? Yeah, side I mean, guys heard about it and said that he wasn't coming back out. It, part of me thinks, you know what would be a great way to end my radio career? Just to halfway through the show, just be like, I'm out, guys. Peace out. But I can't even imagine doing that on radio. Like, I wouldn't do that to the people that I do radio with, where I'm like, you know what? I've been getting up early in the morning for a while. I got enough money bank now. I just don't feel it anymore. And if I just pieced out halfway through a show, 
And you didn't even know that I had pieced out until they came back and they're like, hey, Clay Travis just announced he was retiring halfway through the show. He's, he's gone. <laughs> like, if I wouldn't do it in radio, can you imagine doing it in an NFL game? I love that, ex- exam- uh, that example he gave. Never heard of it happening in Pop Warner, high school, college. No level of football have you ever started a game. And he was on the team, too. You know, playing on the field. It's not as if he wasn't playing. It's an unbelievable story. For Vontae Davis to just stop and then announce his retirement on, I guess, Instagram or whatever else, halfway through the Bills game. I understand a guy deciding, you know, early in the in the season or even midway through the season or whatever else, you know what? Football's a really physically demanding game. I'm a veteran. I don't have the desire to continue to play it at the highest level. But to decide to do it at halftime, unheard of. And how can you be that bad? That he's like, I don't want my body to be aching and stuff like that. What do you think is going to happen in the final 30 minutes of football that you play? You've been playing football for 25 years. I don't think that the final 30 minutes of your career is likely to be what determines whether or not you ache when you're older in life. I think you'll probably suck it up a little bit. Or you could at least lie. Claim you tweaked a hamstring. Blame a, a calf muscle. Just come up with a reason why you can't play. Let somebody else take your spot. I'm Clay Travis. This has been OutKick on Fox Sports Radio. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GameBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. No wonder GameBridge has earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. 